Hey, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the Pursuit of Service podcast. Uh, we are so thrilled to have you today. Uh, I'm going to have the privilege of talking to Jeff. Uh, Jeff will get in this and he'll explain this, but Jeff, uh, in addition to all the things that he does, is he spends the majority of his days as a financial advisor. And I just want to give you this phrase before we start heading into this week's edition. Leadership is a stewardship strategy both from a stewardship of your influence, but also a stewardship of your resources. And uh, the Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. But here's what smart leaders know. Where there are no resources, the vision perishes. So Jeff's going to help us out with that today. So however you take notes, I recommend that uh, Jeff's going to answer five particular questions that I'm going to give him. And you're going to want to take notes on this. So uh, lean back, get ready to take some notes, get ready to learn, and enjoy this week's edition of the Pursuit of Service podcast. Hey, Brian, how are you today? I'm good, Jeff. How are you, my friend? Better than I deserve. Yeah, I, I think we could all say that. That's yes. that's for sure. So, so uh, yeah. So, are you enjoying springtime and an uptick in the economy and just uh, all the good stuff that's happening currently? Yeah, I think uh, both with the economy and and with the seasons, it's a time to be optimistic, um, to look towards growth and and a brighter future. So, all good. good. Well, I tell you, you know. Um, the pursuit of service, one of the things that we always want to talk about is as we grow in our leadership, we want to leverage that to serve others. And serving others, in addition to being a mentality and a practice, it also requires a resource strategy. So Jeff, kind of, you know, we've never really unpacked this a whole lot other than at a high level, but tell us kind of what you do all day. Uh, for your daytime job, and then we're going to start talking about what you do from a leadership perspective. Sure, yeah. So I'm I'm in my, my profession is as a, an investment advisor, financial planner. Um, so that includes things like retirement planning, um, identifying you know what would it takes to get someone to the point where they can retire and support the retirement, um, and includes actually investing portfolios and looking at risks and returns and diversification and and all of that. Um, so that's sort of what I do by profession, but my approach to it is from a leadership perspective. Um, so I believe you have to define success um, and then looking at investments and finances and behaviors as methods and strategies to support that which you define as success to begin with. So that's sort of my approach. I call it financial leadership because it's really identifying a vision and then identifying the strategies to support that vision. Okay. Um, ultimately, as a leader, I believe that finances and all things financial are simply a resource that you steward towards your mission or your objective. So uh, finances should be a resource to support your mission and not a um, limitation or a hindrance towards your mission. And that's personally or organizationally with, with your business or your team or your group or whatever it may be. Well, you, you might have answered kind of the first question that I was going to ask you, but you can unpack it a little further if you'd like, or just, you know, elaborate on what you just said. 
But really what we're going to do today, and we're kind of entitling this time together, five financial questions leaders ask. So Jeff, let's just start with question number one. And you got to answer this both organizationally and on a personal level. What is the mission and vision? Yeah, this is foundational, right? And on the surface, it doesn't sound financial in nature, but going back to what I alluded to a second ago, your finances are, are resources to support that. So the first thing you have to understand as a leader of your organization or your business or your church or your nonprofit um, or you know your personal finances, the first thing you have to understand is what is my mission? What is my vision? That's going to be your North Star. That's going to be your guiding pillar. And that's going to be the foundation of any decision that you make or any plan that you make or anything that you do financially. And we'll finish with that. But ultimately, you have to understand what the mission is so that you can uh, determine your finances to support that mission. Okay. And so let's start with a very practical question. If somebody is saying, well, Jeff, my family doesn't have a mission and vision. I mean, we're just paycheck to paycheck. We're trying to raise the kids. You know, Sundays come every week. Monday mornings come every week. We're just trying to get everything handled. How would you help them take that next step to developing a mission and vision? Great question. So on the personal or family finances side, um, first of all, I would say that I encourage everybody listening here to develop for themselves a personal mission statement. Um, so, you know, it sounds a little bit corny or a, a little bit, um, you know, a little bit obtuse because we think about organizations having mission statements, but develop one for yourself personally, you know, whether it's based on spreading the gas, the gospel or accomplishing any, you know, any number of visionary type things, but I encourage everybody to develop a personal mission statement to begin with. Now, if we shift focus a little bit towards finances, specifically with a family, it could be a, something as simple as, as I want to get out of debt and then retire at whatever given age, because that's a vision. Even if that's not written as a, my mission is to X, so that Y, and then Z, um, just the idea of having a vision towards, I want to get out of debt, pay off whatever debt that I have, mortgage that I have, um, build up a retirement portfolio or, or resource base. You know, you have to have that vision in order to work towards it. So simply, I would say, hey, just determine what you want to accomplish financially. What would be nice? What's that vision that you can set for yourself? Uh, because if you don't have a vision, if you don't define success, then success won't happen on accident. Yeah. I, and, you know, uh, I'll just share a little of my story. I developed my personal mission statement in 1989. And mine was to help uh, pastors and church leaders reach their full redemptive potential. Mm. That was, I developed that 31, 32 years ago now. And so what that does is just provide framework. Like for instance, if I get offered a job, it's real simple. Does that job help me impact more pastors and church leaders than I'm currently doing? Does it, you know, does it allow more churches to benefit from my services? If the answer is no, I don't even consider it. It doesn't matter what the pay is doesn't matter, you know, the benefit package or anything of that nature. If it doesn't help me fulfill my personal mission statement, um, then it self, it, it self identifies itself for elimination, you know, that, and so yeah. you're, you're saying the same thing for finances. 
Yeah, that's perfect. And I'll share my personal mission statement is to bring glory to God by facilitating or supporting the success of others. Um, so that is why I'm so passionate about this podcast of, you know, the pursuit of service and others. That's exactly what leadership is. And it really applies to my profession as, as a financial planner and investor, because those things should be stewarded for the success uh, of those people that I help and work with. And so to your point, no matter what I do from a business perspective, and as an independent um, investment advisor, I'm a business owner, I have the business decisions on you know, how I manage and steward the research, the uh, resources of my practice. Uh, but it's all through that lens of how can I facilitate the success of others, both my business partners and colleagues that I work with, as well as the clients. So your example there is perfect in, in terms of thinking of a mission statement or a vision statement for a person or a family uh, to be the framework by which all things are viewed. Yeah, and I would recommend making that decision as early in life as possible. If you're a young married uh, individual listening to this right now, developing that early, here's what you want to do. You want to make decisions early and manage them daily. You know, me and my daughter had a conversation this past weekend, and I was like, Anna, we started telling you most of this stuff at age four. We have not changed you know, I appreciate everything else has changed, but we have not changed. So, so I tell you what, if you're listening, if you haven't done a personal mission statement yet for you individually and for your family, this podcast is already worth its weight in gold because the benefits you'll get through that as you live out your life uh, are immeasurable. So Jeff, that kind of leads us to the second question. Now that you've developed that mission statement, How do I plan finances in support of that mission statement? Yeah, this one's really important because it's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to those resources being properly stewarded. And ultimately what it comes down to is that everybody, every person, every family, every business, every organization has limited resources, limited time, limited money. And when we think about leadership in general, the reason why I go back to finances so much is because it's so easily measured. You can look at your dollars in and your dollars out and how you've actually stewarded those resources. And so at this stage, how do I plan the finances in support of that mission? Well, really, all you got to do is determine beforehand, pre-plan where each dollar goes. So personally, you know, you should have a budget, whether it's an Excel sheet or any number of resources or whether you do it all the time or not, you have to know where the money is coming from and where it's going. And so you have to determine, you have to predetermine where each dollar goes and you determine where it goes based on that mission that you started with, with the mission or, or mission or vision statement. Organizationally, same thing. You know, your, your organization, your team, your company, your nonprofit, your church may have a mission statement or a set of values that you guide towards. So as you develop your corporate budget um, or your long-term financial uh, strategy for your company, they should always be in support of those. And it's the same concept. You determine where each dollar goes, each additional dollar of revenue or income, even if it's above or below what you planned or expected. If you've already prioritized where that each incremental dollar goes, then you're going to be on track to support that mission or that vision that we determined in question number one. Yeah, that's so good, Jeff. You know, uh, uh, kind of a 
a buzzword right now for limited resources or limited time or limited dollars, anything of that nature is called constraints. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of constraints is this constraint constraints actually are the great clarifier because constraints force you to strip away non-essentials and that which is important and strip away waste. And believe it or not, constraints is the greatest thing you can have in terms of um, accelerating creativity. Because if you have unlimited resources, you just buy the solution. That's right. And then if you, but if you have limit, if you're constrained and you have limited resources, then you've got to figure it out. Um, yep. so, so that is, that is very, very good. You know, it's funny. Um, Jeff, you and I go to the same church, Piedmont church, Marietta, Georgia. Our mission statement is we exist to show God's love in such a way that people will exchange ordinary living for an extraordinary life through the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Here is how what Jeff has said works from a practical sense in, in our particular environment. Let's say that our executive pastor, our pastor, our music, you know, pastor, worship pastor, they stand up and, and they ask us, we would like to spend X number of dollars on blank. Just fill it in, whatever it is that they want to spend dollars on. A natural question for us that provide any level of accountability or partnership or approval is to ask, okay, based upon our mission statement, we will show God's love by doing this so that someone will exchange ordinary living for an extraordinary life through the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Walk me through how the leveraging of this financial resource will result in somebody getting saved. Mm -hmm. that, that's a perfect example. And, and you've mentioned this before, but I'm an elder at Piedmont. So I, I see the finances regularly and I help in the planning of that a little bit. And that's a lot of the lens that we, that we provide for. And here's kind of the bottom line here is people don't like the word budget. I think people hate that word. Um, but we do it at our church and you do it at your business and you do it at your company. So why would you not do it at home? It, look, it's not about, it's not about restraining your joy or not doing fun things, but it's about being diligent in those resources that you are stewarded to, to shepherd ultimately. And that's a good example of how the church does it. Your, your company does it with long-term budgeting and, and all those sort of things. And so we should do it at home as well. Yeah, and just on a practical sense, if you lived any length of time, you know things happen. Your tires wear out, the car breaks down, someone gets sick. A global pandemic inflicts itself on everyone. And if you've not lived prior to those events in such a way, there ultimately what happens is you, the budgeting allows those things to be inconveniences rather than catastrophic events. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what you're looking for. All right. So speaking, that's a natural, uh, you know, we're talking about catastrophic events yep. now and inconveniences natural lead into question number three, what are my financial risks? So what is, what is the scenario that, you run out of money, you have to borrow, you have to go into debt or, or it's going to cause bankruptcy, right? So what, what could go wrong? Um, and the next one, we'll talk about um, how to mitigate that, but you can't mitigate or eliminate or manage risk if you don't know what the risk is. So this is quite simply, 
what could go wrong? How could it go wrong? Where could it go wrong? A lot of times this is um, unforeseeable, like a pandemic, you know, in the middle of 2019, no one knew COVID-19 was going to exist. So it came out of nowhere. Um, but it also includes things that you can foresee, like what if my sales strategy doesn't work out? Or, you know, what if my investment plan doesn't work out? Or what if I, you know, don't hit my sales target so my income is lower at work? Those sort of things that, that could happen or that are foreseeable are also included. So, but you have to understand the impact and try to at least estimate and quantify what could go wrong, especially what's the worst case catastrophic scenario. Have to figure out what that is um, before you can do something about it. Yeah. And, you know, we had Joe Sangalone uh, several episodes ago. And the thing that helped our organization through the pandemic, obviously the PPP was tremendous, but, you know, Joe practiced what he preached. We had six months of emergency uh, reserves in place. Mm. We never dreamed we would be using it for a global pandemic, but, yep. but that was a risk that there are known upcoming risks. Okay your air conditioner is going to go out. The refrigerator is going to go out. There are known upcoming expenses, but there are also things no one foresaw coming. And you've got to prepare for the unknown as you, as you move forward. Yeah, ultimately, what I like to say is we can't control everything that happens in the world, in the economy, in the markets, in our industries, but we can control how we prepare for those things and what we do amongst them. No, that's great. And you can control your response. That's right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's excellent. Well, you referenced it. So Jeff, let's just dive in. So we've got these things either coming up that we know may happen or some things that we don't know will happen. How do we mitigate or fix those things that happen in both personally and on an organizational level? Yeah. So I like to think of the concept of risk in um, sort of three ways. The first is um, you know, what's likely to go wrong or what could go wrong, you know, that you almost expect. Um, the second is what's the probability of that happening. And then the third is really identifying, like I said a second ago, the absolute catastrophic unrecoverable event. Um, and this is something like I put all my investment in one stock and it goes away, or I go on, you know, some kind of adventure trip that I'm unprepared for and unfit for and I wind up dying or, you know, those sort of things that are completely catastrophic. You know, I, I bet on a product at work and if it doesn't work, the whole company is going to go out of business, those sorts of things. Um, and, and so the first thing you have to do is eliminate that catastrophic one completely. You know, this is the basics of diversifying your investment portfolio diversifying your sales portfolio at your company. So you're not putting all your eggs in one basket such that if that basket collapses, the whole organization collapses. Uh, this is things personally like, you know, not buying more than you can afford to pay for. You know, if I get a million dollar mortgage and I can't pay for that each month, that's going to bankrupt me. And that's sort of that catastrophic thing. So the first thing I would say to mitigate is identify the one outcome that you cannot afford to happen and then do everything you can to eliminate from that even being a possibility. Because here's the thing with risk, 
you have to take risk in order to get reward. That's how sort of the world works. I mean, we take risks by getting in the car and driving to work. There's risks everywhere, but we can, we can start to understand and quantify the magnitude of this one versus that one. If I go for a walk outside, it's probably a fairly low risk of, you know, some sort of cat catastrophic event. Um, however, I still walk on the sidewalk. Yeah. And I still wait until, you know, the light turns green before I cross the road. I'm not, you know, swerving all over in the middle of the road and things like that. So, you know, we have an intuitive understanding of different risks, but um, you have to take risks to some extent, but you can eliminate the most catastrophic and then think about ways to mitigate all the other ones as you go. Oh, that's excellent. Um, and now let's talk about the final question. How do I make financial decisions in light of the first four questions that we've asked? And this kind of brings it all in together because it should drive every decision that you make financially all along the way. You may make financial decisions every single day. I would say with personal finances, we make multiple ones, you know, financial decisions every single day um, with your, your business or your company or organization. You're making them frequently. So you almost approach each of these, each of these decisions that we make along the way through these. So if I have to make a decision on what to buy or where to spend or where to cut budget or where to do certain things, then I need to understand, okay, what's the mission? How do I support that mission? What could go wrong here and how I mitigate that? And really what this comes down to, and I think it's important to understand um, because this will help fuel your path to success in the future personally and organizationally is the difference between an investment and an expense. We all have some of both. And at some point you're gonna have a dollar that you can put towards an expense or towards an investment. We all have fixed expenses, things like utilities to pay the bills. That's an expense because once you, once you make that cost, it's gone, it's not coming back. It's sort of to keep the engine running, to keep the machine going, that sort of thing. Um, the investment side of it is, okay, where can I put this extra dollar that's going to result in a return in the future that supports that mission. Um, so almost every one of these decisions that we talk about financially can be viewed from the lens of, is this an investment towards my mission or is this an expense that I'm never gonna get back? Okay, all right, very good. Um, so Jeff, as we wrap this up, I wanna say Jeff is, I love the way Jeff has outlined this and anybody that knows me knows I'm a list guy. I love list. So this podcast is going to be hitting on Monday evening, uh, April 19th. And on Tuesday, April the 20th, I'm actually going to take Jeff's notes and post them to my website. And you'll be able to start seeing those on Tuesday night, April the 20th. And they'll be, if you're on my email list, they'll be emailed to you the next morning. Um, but Jeff has just dropped an unbelievable amount of, of gold here and helped us quite a bit. Jeff, before we get to the what are you learning uh, stage of our conversation, any final thoughts on, on questions financial leaders or, or financial questions that leaders should be asking? Yeah, just I would just reiterate that you have to define success so that you can steward your resources towards that success. Okay, excellent. All right. So Jeff, there's a lot going on in the world. What are you learning right now? So I think we've talked about this before, but I'm reading the book, um, uh, Think Again by Adam Grant, which I love. I'm not done with it yet, but I love it. Um, so I wanted to highlight one thing that it talks about in the book, just as sort of that thing that I'm learning. And I'd heard about this 
concept before, but learning more about it through reading that book. And just because I heard of something doesn't mean I can't learn more about it, and I am. Um, and that concept is the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is a cognizant bias that states that people basically overestimate their expertise in a given area, specifically as they go from beginner knowing nothing to you know, still pretty much a beginner or slight novice and they pick up a little bit of knowledge and skill, they all of a sudden think that they're an expert. Um, and so if you looked at a bell curve, it, it, as they learn a little, they think they know a lot um, and it's disproportionate too much. All to say that it's a cognitive bias that we tend to overestimate our expertise at the beginning of our learning journey. And, and I think it's just so valuable to keep in mind because we all like to learn things. And when we learn things, we get excited about them. Um, but really, we don't know what we don't know. Um, and so the humility that we talked about last week uh, really comes into play to avoid the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah, I, I love the Dunning-Kruger effect and the whole study of it. Uh, just a little background. It was done by two professors. Their last names were Dunning and Kruger. So that's where, the, where it comes from. Mm. And, you know, we've all witnessed this. It's the person that's babysitted someone else's kids and then said, well, when I become a parent, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So you have this little, or you read a book and now you're an expert, or you went to a conference and now you're an expert, or you watched a YouTube TED talk, and now you're an expert. You've got a little bit of knowledge, but you mentally, you think you have a huge amount of knowledge. What's, yeah. great, what's great about it, Jeff, and at 55, I can begin seeing it. Once you actually do the life experience and just reps and just doing things over and over and gaining more perspective, you actually do become an expert on things, but you don't think you do because the more you learn, the more you know you don't know. Yep. And that's, that's the back end of the Dunning-Kruger effect that the quiet guy, the quiet older guy or the quiet older lady sitting in the back of the room not saying anything on a particular topic may be the smartest person in the room of it. That's true. That's true. And, and some of the practical applications, I think, you know, to, to support or complement the examples you gave is, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I checked out WebMD and now I know what my diagnosis is, you know, exactly. or, or the one I get a lot is, you know, I read this one book about the investment markets and now I can pick the, the best stocks in the world all the time. You know, those, those are another examples that I see quite frequently. Yeah, well, I, I help churches with capital campaigns and a lot of times I'll run into churches, oh, we can do it by ourselves. And uh, so it's the Dunning-Kruger effect in, in play. So here's, the, here's what I learned this week, and it's not nearly on the level of the Dunning-Kruger effect. By the way, I agree with Jeff. I've read Think Again. I've read two business books this year, B2.0 by Jim Collins and Think Again by Adam Grant. And they are two as good of books as you'll ever read. And I, I'd highly recommend it with, along with Jeff. Um, there's a difference between chaos and being chaotic. Mm, that's good. What's that mean? And, well, there will always be chaos. Uh, something, we mentioned it earlier, something will always break. A conversation will not go as we thought it would. Someone will cut us off in traffic. You know, someone will disappoint us. Anyone with kids know you... They, Kids are one decision away from absolute chaos breaking out. Mm. You know, I mean, 
there, we live in a sinful fallen world. There is always chaos, but you don't have to be chaotic in the chaos. And so knowing how to, you know, Jeff, your, your whole lesson today is about that. When financial chaos breaks out, if you've planned well, you do not have to be chaotic. Yep. And life is like that too. So I, I am learning to build mental margin, emotional margin, spiritual margin, um, so that when chaos breaks out, I manage the chaos. I, I may even go as far as to say I'm comfortable in the chaos. I just don't react to the chaos because if I do, I become chaotic. So there's a, big, there's a big difference between chaos and being chaotic. Yeah, and this is just made me think. It, there's also a difference between chaos and um, random. So random is no control, and chaos is also no control, but uh, almost to more of a detrimental effect. There's also a difference between chaos and disorganization. Mm. Maybe disorganization causes chaos. Chaos and random, you can't control. Disorganization, you can. So I'm going off on a tangent, but interesting points there that, that you spurred in my mind with yours. Look, I've, I've had some family members in the past, and I think everybody who's been to a Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner can you know understand this. There are people that are just more comfortable in conflict and chaos than they are peace. Hmm. Yeah. And they, and they will, a chaotic person will cause chaos simply because they're more comfortable in it. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, you sit there and you might look at somebody and go, you know, hey, can, can we just relax and have a nice meal? Yeah. They may be incapable of that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is important to be aware of, or at least nice to be aware of, because then you can, you know, temper your expectations ahead of time. And then you don't have to be chaotic in their chaos. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Good point. All right. Well, Jeff, my friend, um, you've helped us out a lot today. And we are better people and better leaders because of your generosity and willingness to share some time. And uh, just thank you for everything you do, my friend. Yep. Thanks. Enjoy, everybody. Serve others, not at a task, but as a purpose.